0: Hi, this is Larry H. Russell. Thank you for downloading another edition of Celtics Beat. Today's episode is being brought to you by our sponsors, the home of online video tutorials, lynda.com, and Casper. Casper's mattresses are premium mattresses for a fraction of the price because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. And to get $50 off any mattress purchase at casper.com, visit casper.com slash Celtics and enter promo code Celtics. Happy Father's Day. Best wishes to all the dads out there, and best wishes to all of you listening in. This is Larry H. Russell, and this is another edition of Celtics Beat, which is being brought to you today by Linda and Casper. LYNDA.com slash CLNS for a free 10-day trial of online video tutorials. And, of course, Casper, because everyone, and I mean everyone, deserves a great night's sleep. Get $50 off your first mattress purchase by entering the promo code CELTICS at CASPER.com slash CELTICS. Today's guest, Gary Wolfel of the Racine Journal Times out in Wisconsin, suggested by a few of our listeners and a thank you as well to the audience and ask as you shall receive here on Celtics Beat. Gary's name came up a lot this past week, particularly a little more than about nine or ten days ago when he dropped some interesting nuggets regarding the Boston Celtics particularly with where they stand regarding a pending free agent that is set to hit the market in a few weeks. Hate teasing you here on Seller's Beat, but we will On this instance. We'll save that for our discussion with Gary as well as many other topics as well because I've got to have my say, right? I guess for us, you guys know that. Guess what? It is Seller's Beat, and after nearly three weeks, we will be back talking about the Boston Celtics with the NBA season coming to an end back on Tuesday night. Let's wrap this up, NBA final discussion 2015, it is now officially in the books. Came to a conclusion back on Tuesday night. Golden State Warriors in six games over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Congratulations to them on winning their first championship in 40 years. Andre Iguodala, the Finals MVP. And hey, Warriors fans, unarguably the most loyal and dedicated fans who follow the NBA. I am happy to see them rewarded with a championship after not only waiting for one for so many years, But for supporting the NBA, despite having a piss-poor product on their hands for so long, and despite that, they still came out, still allowed the NBA, and more particularly, the Warriors, to be a part of the culture of the Bay Area in a small way. And now I think they do have something to be proud of because they were a tremendous part in their success, that being the fans, having that kind of home court from a concrete sense, obviously, but the culture that is in that organization, the air of positivity that is instilled solely by their fan base, and how it is blatantly clear to the players how accepting the fans are to their players and how supportive they are in the abstract sense, I truly believe that went a long way for that organization, particularly as they were building over these last few years. And it certainly helped them win the championship. have the season they did, build the organization they have built over these last two to three years. And the reward was the ultimate, something that many people both in and outside of that organization lived for the longest of time. And that was that title, just one back here inside a week ago. They got it. I know it must be tremendously rewarding for them, so I'll certainly send my best wishes their way on the show. They were a great team. We all knew that as soon as, as this series concluded with the Warriors victory, inevitably the discussion would begin of where a team that won 67 regular season games ranked in NBA history. And guess what? We're going to ask our audience our Reach Question of the Day. www.reachdap.com slash CLNS, R-E-A-C-H-T-A-P-P dot com slash s Or grab it over on Facebook.com slash Celticspeed. Our Reach Question of the Day is being brought to you by Casper. Casper's mattress is an obsessively engineered mattress using two technologies, latex and memory foam, which come together for better nights and brighter days. It's a comfortable mattress that has just the right sink and bounce, A Casper mattress provides long-lasting comfort and support, and you can buy it easily online and completely risk-free. Casper offers free delivery and painless returns with a 100-day period so you don't have to lie down in a showroom. Get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin, $950 for a king-size mattress, and you can save an additional $50 as one of our audience members by going to casper.com Celtics and entering the promo code Celtics. Here goes it. A simple yes or no is this Golden State Warriors team One of the five best teams in NBA history. I faintly discussed it on past shows. And once again, I stand by what I said. I definitely do not think this Warriors team could hang with some of the final single season teams the Lakers and Celtics had in the 80s. The 86 Celtics team that had Walton off the bench and that Lakers team that picked up Michael Thompson at the trade deadline and went on a huge run. Obviously, some of the best Bulls teams, 96 and 97 when they won, 72 and 69, respectively. A lot of people forget about that 69 and 97. Everyone remembers the 72, but the Bulls came right back that next year and rolled up the the league. And obviously, Bill Russell, he had some great teams, right? Sixers in 1967, that's sort of a forgotten team. They were one of the great single-season teams in history. Those teams that I mentioned have always been the gold standard and are always at the top of discussion when it comes to the best single-season teams in NBA history. First off, outside of that Wilt Sixers team, all those teams were not just great for that season, but were dominant throughout a period of multiple years as well. And Jim Barnett brought this up on last week's show, where the great teams, particularly in the NBA, Red Auerbach used to say this all the time as well, and would discuss this a lot when anyone would dare mention that 67 Philly team, as one of the best ever, or better than some of the finest Russell teams for that matter, of course, which I am doing. But Red would say, and Jim Barnett said on last week's show, the great, great teams do it over the course of many years. And while me personally, I don't put as much weight into it as others do have with that train of thought, I do think it holds a lot of merit. Throughout NBA history, almost all the great teams have had multiple years of success because of the salary rules. And also because injury seems to play a lot less of a factor than in other sports. Take football, for it, for instance. That's why there really are no 85 Bears in the NBA. In the NFL, many consider the 85 Bears the best single-season team in NFL history. Yet, they won that one championship. They went 15-1 and in 1985. I believe they came back the next year and went 14-2. But they were one and done in the postseason. And I think they made one more NFC Championship game, but that was it. That team fell apart pretty quickly. Obviously, they had some issues with many players off the field, injury issues as well. But that was it for them, really. A lot of people predicted they'd be dominant for a long time, but they were sort of, in a way, a one-hit wonder. I know they had some good teams. The NBA, usually the best teams stick around and win a few more. So it'll be interesting if that could hold true to the Warriors, because while I use the NFL as an example... History has shown it's far easier to keep a team together in the NBA than it is in the NFL. But now in the NBA, there is a little more of a stricter luxury tax than there were back in the 80s and 90s, well, when there was none. Uh, But there's far more, you know, harsher luxury tax penalties. Who knows? Could that affect the Warriors, particularly with Draymond Green, a major, major piece of the team? They lose him. Obviously, they don't get the true opportunity to defend their championship with the team they had this year. That was always a regret that I had with the Celtics in two thousand nine because Garnett got hurt halfway through that season. They never legitimately got to defend that crown. But, anyways, yes, I think that does play a part. Greatness over an extended period of time with obviously a kind climax team like you know Celtics in eighty six, Lakers in eighty seven, so to speak. Me personally, I have a tremendous respect for this Warriors team, and I hopped on this bandwagon pretty early in the season they were when they were blowing teams out. A lot of people still had doubts about them, largely because they hadn't had much success in the postseason in prior years, but I just thought that they were just so far and away better than any team in the league. I didn't think it was going to matter, and that ended up being the case. They have phenomenal, just astronomical numbers for that matter. Great point differential. They are a very deep team. I think, in my opinion, this is the deepest title team I've seen since the, those Lakers and Celtics teams of the '80s. You've seen a lot of recent champions that are very top-heavy, but this Warriors team has some great, great starting-caliber players up and down their roster. It isn't like they have, there's a big, you know, huge fall-off after the top, you know, two or three players in the team after Steph Curry. I mean, they have just very, very good players that can start on teams that are like their ninth. 10th men. This was a great team. I'd have no qualms putting them aside, you know, alongside a team like the 2001 Lakers, who had the best postseason run in NBA history. They were 15 and one. The 83 Sixers. Speaking of the other teams that had great postseason runs, that was the Faux 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 team. They picked up Moses Malone that prior offseason. They lost one game along the way, I believe. I think it was in the conference finals against Milwaukee if I'm not mistaken. But yes, that was a Sixers team that picked up Moses and they had a great season. I think it was something like 65 wins rolled along in the postseason. And I think you can even throw teams like the 08 Celtics, the 1971 Bucks, who had great point differentials, just like this Warriors team. I think that's where this Warriors team is. Not in that just, you know, highly peak upper upper echelon level with those just dominant teams with dominant players. But that next tier, let's call it top four to eight, maybe top four to five to nine teams in NBA history. You can sort of shuffle it around there how you like. But it is in that next tier. I think you got maybe the height of the Russell teams. Let's just say for fun, 63, 64 editions. those guys. Then, of course, 86 Celtics, 15-1 at home, Bill Walton off the bench, that 87 Lakers team, which stole Michael Thompson at the deadline, and he just fit on their team like a glove, or like a nice, big, juicy piece of ribeye steak from AmericanFarmersNetwork.com fits in my stomach. That Lakers team in 87, they were great. And then, of course, the Bulls there, pick it 92 with a peak Jordan and Pippen, or you can go the, you know the 96 and 97 teams, which they had the big win totals, but... Not to be a grouch, I've always argued those win totals were a little bit inflated because they were playing in expansion seasons. Yeah, sorry, I know it wasn't necessary for Irish white kid from Boston to just throw a bucket of ice water on a 72 and a 69 win season, respectively. But those teams, right there. Russell, Celtics, Birds, Celtics, Magic, Lakers, Jordan, Bulls. They're best teams. I think I'd take them any day and 10 times on Sunday against this Warriors team. Be it in the Oracle, the Old Garden, the Forms, Staples, a neutral court, Mars, wherever. Those teams were the best, and we could argue till we were blue in the face arguing those teams and the height of those teams of what was the single-season best team ever. But I think this Warriors squad deserves a place in history. They're on that ladder just down a peg. I have no issues putting them right there with that one Shaq Lakers team or the Moses Sixers team. This was a great team, and they deserve respect. And me as a fan, as a basketball fan, I had a blast watching them and following them throughout these past few months, and of course, in the NBA Finals. I actually browsed through their highlights on YouTube. You know how so many teams in sports have random regular season games at service? You know, the highlights for a championship season, like the Yankees with those back-to-back perfect games from David Cohen and David Wells in each season in the back-to-back title seasons they had in 98-99. Clay Thompson, 37 points and a quarter against Sacramento, that I mean, that was just remarkable. I could watch that all day long. It was a great season for the Warriors, great season for NBA basketball, and it was a great series, great playoffs, everything, but it's finally over. It felt long, and let's obviously talk about another storyline during the finals. Last week on this show, I made my case for LeBron James, as I've done quite a few times over the course of my career here at CLNS Radio, and I can certainly say I felt he deserved the finals MVP. He was far and away the best player on the court, and hey, most valuable player. He was the most valuable. The fact that Cleveland was as close as they were was entirely a testament to him. He did everything, his worst game, so to speak, game six, when he didn't have the best shooting night, I think it was like 13 to 33, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. But still, this is what makes the great players great. And we were talking about Larry Bird last week, and this is what I've always argued about Bird's greatness. There were some nights when, you know, Bird wasn't shooting from the field. Well, from the field, and that was sort of, I guess, LeBron the other night. You know, 13 for 33, it isn't heinous, but it's just not the LeBron James that we know. But these guys can do other things. They can impact the game in other ways. Of course, LeBron defensively, we all know what he can do. Grab some rebounds, facilitate some shooting, some scoring. I felt LeBron did that in Game 6. What did he have, 18 rebounds? He, for my money, should have been the MVP. But for the sake of not talking about LeBron James ad nauseum, once again, I'll stop there. In the words of a former mayor candidate here in Boston, you know where I stand. Just head on over to our archives on iTunes or Stitcher. Subscribe to the show so you don't miss a thing and check us out on demand as well. All right, so let's keep this discussion going and let's make the official transfer after not having any of it for the past three weeks. We'll get back to talking about the Boston Celtics here on Celtics Beat, I swear. Gary Wolfell, Racine Journal Times. Our interview with Gary is brought to you by Audible. Audible is a leading source of audiobooks online with over 180,000 downloadable titles to choose from. From nonfiction to fiction to periodicals, audiobooks are great to listen to wherever you are and whenever you want. And for our Celtics Beat audience members, Audible is offering your first audiobook for free to give you a chance to try out, for my money, one of my favorite sources going Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics to grab your free audio book. That's audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. Personally, cannot thank Audible enough for not just supporting this podcast, but for the service they do provide. That's audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. We also can't thank Gary enough for joining us. Gary, welcome on into Celtics Beat.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you.
0: Definitely going to talk about the big offseason. Come up here as connected as any guy is in and around the NBA circles, but... There were the NBA Finals. The NBA season is finally wrapped up. Got to get your sort of final thoughts on this, LeBron James. Do you think he was worthy enough to win that MVP award, even though the Cavaliers ended up submitting in six games there?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, let, let's face it. You know, if they would have had Kyrie Irving and uh, Kevin Love, it, it might have been a different story. It would probably win seven games, and who knows? Maybe Cleveland would have won. LeBron, basically, it was basically one on five. I mean, they were playing hot potato with the ball. Nobody else wanted to really shoot. J.R. Smith was uh, in in another world, on another planet. and It was basically LeBron against everybody else. And uh, how he managed to keep him in the series, you know, just speaks volumes of uh, the talent that he is.
0: That's sort of exactly my train of thought as well. And even his quote-unquote his worst game, game six back on tuesday night i believe he was 13 to 33 this Mm -hmm. is what i've always argued amongst the greats is even when they don't have you know great shooting nights be it larry bird if you go want to go back use that example he can still impact the game another way it's nicky came down with 18 rebounds still facilitated plenty of offense i for my i agree with you 100 if it's most valuable he was the guy if 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 he wasn't there that could have been just a debacle of biblical proportions but last thing to sort of, you know, wrap this up NBA wise. Golden State did pull it off and there was a lot of talk about where this Warriors team ranked all time. I have them more in that second tier with the O1 Lakers, 83 Sixers, not quite up, you know, with the Birds, Celtics, Magic, uh, Lakers, Jordan Bulls, Russell Celtics. Where do you think this team comes down in terms of the all-time great single season teams in NBA history?
1: Well, maybe I'm in the minority here, but I don't even think they're remotely close to being one of the all-time great teams. Uh, you know, we we just got done saying they beat up <laughs> a one-man yeah, team. I know. You know? <laughs> and all of a sudden people are trying to anoint them as one of the great teams of all time, which which I think is ludicrous. Um, you know, when, when Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uh, won his championship in Milwaukee, he had guys like Bobby Dandridge and Oscar Robertson, and nobody ever talks about them as being one of the all-time greats. And that, I guarantee you that Bucks team is better than this uh, Warriors team uh, simply because of Kareem and Oscar. I mean, you have two certified, viable Hall, Hall of Fame players. And uh, Bobby Dandridge is maybe one of the most underrated players in the history of the game. And I, I talked to Wayne Embry, uh, you know, just recently, and Wayne is absolutely convinced that Bobby Dandridge should be in the Hall of Fame. Now, you can argue that he isn't, but the fact that Wayne Embry thinks that he is, you know, you know tells you how good a player Bobby Dandridge was. So, uh, to put the uh, Warriors as one of the top 15, top 20 teams of all time, uh, I think that's a little premature.
0: Yeah, that's sort of a, the comparison I was actually using. I threw the 71 bucks in there when I was discussing a little earlier on the show because, They were, I mean, they had that great season in 71. They were blowing teams out. And I think they got back there in 74. They lost to the Celtics, but that was Mm -hmm. sort of it. They never really got that second championship, and that's why we don't discuss the Bucs as one of the great single-season teams ever because it seems that we're biased towards teams that do it over, you know, multiple years and do get those multiple championships. Obviously, the Celtics got that title in 86 with the 15-1 home record, but they had, you know, they were dominant throughout the 80s, same as the Lakers. And same as the Bulls in the 90s. But obviously, Fair. now, I definitely want to shift. I have a tremendous amount of respect for the work you do. You're one of the great NBA insiders going, and fans can check you out on journaltimes.com. NBA draft, less than a week away. It's sort of like Mang, right? I mean, the season just ends. Far cry from the NFL when it's a big break. Here we are. We're just a few days away from the NBA draft. Pretty biased question. This is Celtics beat, so I'm going to ask: Which teams do you think is are the are the most active in terms of trying to maneuver around and make something for happen? From is it the Boston Celtics?
1: Oh, I, I think I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, I wrote about this maybe about a week or two ago that they were offering their two first round picks, uh, you know, to move up uh, in the top ten and. And I think there's a chance. You know, they might have to sweeten the pot a little bit and throw in a player player or two, but I think there's there's a possibility that could happen because what I've been hearing is that teams from 6 through 10, even 11, Indiana, are definitely open to moving their picks. And, and the problem is that if you talk to most uh, general managers and, and scouting directors, they feel like this is an eight-man draft and then after the eighth pick, it's like, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And, uh, you know, take a guy like Sam Decker. I mean, I've heard Sam Decker possibly going to Miami, that Miami loves him at 10. I've also heard Sam Decker could be on the board when the Bucks pick, you know. Gavon Looney, he could go anywhere. He could go real high. He could go into the 20s. So I think once you get beyond those eight guys, uh, it's pretty much, hey, who do you like the most?
0: Could you talk to me a little bit about Sam Decker because obviously he with the school pretty close to you guys, so I'm yeah, I'm sure you're a little familiar with him to say the least. Do you mind just giving me and even the audience a little bit of a scouting port on him, if that's all right?
1: Yeah, no, no problem at all. I think he's a tremendous talent. I really do. Uh, the the only chink in his armor is maybe his uh, consistency. He's been, he's been erratic, where he's played really well and then not so well and. Part of that had to do uh, with playing with Bull Ryan at Wisconsin. And and Bull Ryan, uh, I know a lot of people out on the East Coast are really that familiar with him, but he is an absolute perfectionist. If you have a turnover, you go to the bench, and it doesn't matter who you are. And uh, there was a game I went to this year uh, where Wisconsin, I think, played Indiana, and Decker turned the ball over like maybe two, three minutes into the game, and Bull Ryan pulled him. He sat him for like about eight minutes. And uh, that's the type of guy he is. And, and sometimes players can't play as freely as they want. Now, having said that, I saw Sam Decker play out in uh, Las Vegas t- this past summer at the LeBron camp, and he was sensational. He played in a different system, it was more up and down, uh, he had a chance to show his athletic, athleticism and uh, his all around game. And I talked to a veteran Western Conference scout. And he said that he believes that uh, Sam Decker will be better than Chandler Parsons. Now, Chandler Parsons just got a max contract last summer, and uh, this guy was sky high on him. thinks he's, you know, he's got a huge upside. And then, of course, he also played well at the uh, Kevin Durant uh, camp. So the, there's a segment of NBA people that love him, and there's a segment that uh, you know is lukewarm on him. But I just can't imagine him getting any farther than uh, Milwaukee, which picks right after Boston.
0: Yeah, I I I got a I'm not going to lie. My way of following the NBA draft is through some people I respect with the mock drafts and. Obviously, I see Sam Decker's name thrown around a lot with the Celtics, so I do have a lot of interest in him personally. Another name that sort of pops up is Willie Cauley-Stein. A lot of people just attach him to the Celtics largely because they say, oh, geez, you know, I mean, the Celtics, they need a center. He seems to be that type of guy. Is that people connecting the dots, or you really think there's a lot of mustard there?
1: Well, I think there's a lot of teams that would like to have Cauley-Stein, including uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. and. Uh, from my, what I hear is that he'll probably go in the you know six to eight range, and you know like I was saying uh, earlier in the show, there's about eight guys that uh, most NBA people believe that are you know fully capable of being very good players in the league, and uh, he's one of them. But uh, I would imagine if the Celtics move up, they would definitely be you know in the uh, hunt for him. But uh, again, I've heard you know several teams that want to move up into that category as well.
0: And to sort of wrap up the draft talk in a way I know it seems a little obvious but Carl Anthony Towns no question about it number one overall to Minnesota and then everything should sort of fall in place from there
1: well you know Larry you're talking probably the only guy on the face of the earth that doesn't think it's a slam dunk <laughs> alright well here we go I love to hear what you to say and, and, and here's why um, you know the other name that obviously everybody's talking about is Okafor and uh, Okafor, I don't know if you know this or not, is represented by Bill Duffy, okay? Bill Duffy and Flip Saunders were roommates in college, okay? Take it one step further. Andrew Wiggins is represented by? Let me guess Bill, Bill Duffy. Duffy. <laughs> now, now if you're the Minnesota Timberwolves and you've got to deal with <laughs> Andrew Wiggins, and if you're Flip Saunders, who has a great, great rapport with Bill Duffy, do you want to upset that cart? I don't know. Uh, I mean, again, everybody's say, saying it's Towns, but uh, I, I don't think this uh, story is uh, over yet.
0: That's very interesting. You're right, because people can say and sort of just you know, say, oh, geez, well, you know, maybe Okafor wouldn't be as great of a fit because Minnesota already has some centers. But you're right. When you have your friends just in your ear all the time, whether it be picking a player or, I don't know, even going to see a movie, for that matter, mm-hmm. like, you exactly. know, you, you gotta see this, no, you gotta, <laughs> you're right, it, 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 it has a lot of influence on him, so I, I'll, I'll definitely keep an eye on for that, because it seems like if Minnesota does pick Okafor, that throws a monkey wrench into the whole draft, because it seems like Los Angeles is baking banking on Okafor at the center position, and then, I mean, I don't know what the Knicks are gonna do with their fourth overall pick, is there any, you know, anything to that, do you think you could see them moving that around?
1: I, you know, when push comes to shove, I think they're going to keep it. I mean, it's, it's it's very seldom where a team that's picking at the top, and the top five or six trades that pick unless they get some, you know, hellacious offer, you know? And uh, I just can't see anybody doing that, uh, especially when, you know, the top three are going to be off the board right away. So uh, my gut feeling is at the end of the day, the New York Knicks are going to be picking right where they are.
0: All right. That's a pretty definitive answer got to take a quick break. Hang in there, Gary. Hang in there, audience. We'll be back with Gary Wolf of the Journal Times on the other side of the break. Slash CLNS This is Larry H. Russell back here again and let me tell you a little something about me. I'm always reading a book or three. Be it a revolutionary breakthrough on neuroscience, such as Daniel Kamen's Thinking Fast and Slow, or even a philosophical masterpiece like Plato's Republic, I'm always doing whatever means to soak up as much knowledge as I can about the world we live in. And we can't do that without literature. But not everyone finds it convenient to carry around all six volumes of the history of the decline and fall of the Roman Empire with them. But there's a solution. My good friends over at Audible. Audible is a leading provider of audiobooks with over 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature. You don't need to be all alone creating that impossible private time with our everyday lives of chaos to do some reading and relaxing. Audiobooks are great to listen to wherever, be it in the gym, doing chores at work or around the house, driving, riding, shopping, whatever. Audiobooks are the remedy for you. And Celtics Beat and Audible are teaming up to offer you your first audiobook for free. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. That's audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. All right, everyone, welcome back into Celtics, Beat. Gary Wolf of the Way Scene Journal Times is with us, NBA Insider. Gary, I lied. I got one more question I have to ask regarding the NBA draft. Earlier in the week, there were some reports regarding some veterans out there that could possibly be moved. Ty Lawson was one of the names. Who is someone who could be moved on draft day for draft choice or even someone else for that matter?
1: Uh, you know, that, that's a very good question. So far, it's been very quiet, but it wouldn't shock me to see some teams moving picks, I mean, moving veteran players uh, before them. But uh, as of right now, it, it is incredibly quiet. I think, you know, when the proverbial stuff hits the fan is going to be like three or four days before the draft. That's when everybody really, really gets serious about what they want to do. And right right now, you know, it's, it, it's a high, high stakes poker game. And nobody's showing their cards because it's too early in the game. But uh, like I said, within the uh, next, you know, probably three or four days, I think, uh, you know, things are going to heat up uh, dramatically. Yeah, that's just what's
0: really jumped out at me these past three weeks. And it's why I've used the show Celtics Beat to not discuss the Boston Celtics at all because this has been one of the more quieter lead-ups to the draft and even free agency for that matter, which is a couple weeks in a way in itself. Usually you're hearing all the rumors in the world around the conference finals, there really wasn't much going on. It seemed like that had that any big stories that really had any legs. Is this one of the more quieter, you know, moratorium periods that you've seen in the last few years?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, things could happen, uh, especially in Chicago because they have a new coach coming in, Fred Hoiberg. And uh, it wouldn't shock me one bit if they moved or tried to move Noah, for instance, you know, and, um, you know, possibly someone else. It, it, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if they shook things up. Uh, same thing with Toronto. I think uh, Toronto is in a position where they might want to trade somebody, and certainly Sacramento. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. But, uh, you know, th- th- this is going to be the summer of uh, free agency, and uh, I, I think, to be honest with you, that's where most teams are uh, focusing uh, their attention, you know, after the draft.
0: Yeah, obviously one free agent we have to talk about is someone you are very familiar with and that's Chris Middleton. I've actually even suggested that he could possibly get a max contract largely because of the, you know, he's a very good player and of course that the salary is going up next year so a max contract's far different this year than it will be sure. 3 to 4 years from now. Could he really be someone who gets a max contract?
1: I would be a little surprised, Larry. I mean, you know, you you don't rule anything out. I mean, I I fell out of my chair when Chandler Parsons got his max last year. (laughs) You know, Uh, I I guess I'm from a school that nobody gets a max contract unless they're a franchise player that's capable of, you know, almost taking you to the uh, playoffs by himself. And um, I I just don't see that with Chris Middleton. I think he's a very good player, uh, but certainly nothing remotely close to being a max player. And, yeah, you know, one of the things, Larry, that – people are kind of uh, uh, amused by is that everybody is under the assumption that Chris Middleton took this quantum leap this year. And uh, while he has definitely gotten better, if you look at his stats across the board, you know, minutes per game, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, points per game, rebounds per game, they're almost identical to what they were a year ago. And uh, I, I talked to a player personnel director for a Western Conference team who was very high in Chris Middleton. And he was shocked. For whatever reason, he had never, ever compared the stats. (laughs) uh, You know, so, I mean, yeah, he he could be that kind of guy. I mean, there's a lot of good things about uh, Chris Middleton. But, uh, again, uh, I'd be a little surprised if he did get the max.
0: I actually mentioned that a little earlier on some past shows. I think, it, like you said, he didn't. Have the quantum leap? He's, you know, he's improved incrementally every season he's come into the league. But when he was discussed ad nauseum at the Sloan Sports Conference here in Boston here a few weeks ago, I think that is what really raised his stock and made people say, "Oh my goodness, wow, yeah, this Chris Middleton, great young player, improving in the league every single year." I think it was that. And when you have sort of those people behind you, that only just sort of adds the stock to what you have.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, I was talking to one of his teammates, you know, after the trade and, and uh, they told me that Chris was really disappointed that the Bucks got rid of uh, Brandon Knight because Brandon Knight was kind of like would set him up, you know, quite a bit. And, uh, you know, where Chris could could just basically camp on the perimeter and Brandon would penetrate and dish it out and stuff like that. And uh, for a while there with Michael Carter Williams, that wasn't the case. And, uh We'll see. I mean, Chris Middleton, you know, I don't want to you know, beat a dead horse here, is a good player, but he's not that type of guy that's going to take over games. He doesn't have those capabilities. But uh, to think that, you know, three years ago he was a second round pick <laughs> and to see where he is now, I mean, you really, really have to uh, applaud him.
0: Yeah, he was a second round pick and a throw in and a sign and trade, I believe. I believe he came over from Detroit with Brandon Knight. If, am, I, am I correct?
1: Yeah, you're absolutely correct. I mean nobody was talking about Chris Middleton. It was all about the Brandons and uh, you know, what would happen with them and, and um, you know, I'll 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 say this. Larry Drew gave him a chance and Larry Drew kept him in the lineup and played him and uh he made a lot of mistakes and uh but you know, Larry Drew uh stuck with him and then this year of course, you know, Jason Kidd uh, played him about the same amount, so uh, but again, that, that guy has really come you know, quite, quite a ways uh, just in three years.
0: He, he really has. He's had a good season. There's some other second-round picks as well. Actually, well, Jimmy Butler, I consider him a second-round uh, draft selection. He was end of the first. Mm-hmm. Draymond Green as well. Of a lot of these restricted free agents this year, I believe Greg Monroe was unrestricted, if I am not mistaken. But, love, this free agency yeah, you're right. pool, Monroe, Middleton, Green, uh, I guess I'll throw Kawhi Leonard in there, although we all know he's going nowhere. Uh, right. Jimmy Butler, of that core, the top of the upper echelon in the selection of this crop of free agency here the summer of 2015, who is most likely to change teams?
1: Well, Jimmy Butler isn't, uh, unless Derek Rose goes to management and says he doesn't want to play with them. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you know this, but the, the, those two aren't exactly you know uh, joined at the hip. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out going forward. Um, but, but I have every reason to believe he'll stay in Chicago. I have every reason to believe Middleton will remain in the buck with the Bucs. Uh, Monroe is going to go to New York or Boston. Um, who else are we talking about here? Um,
0: Kawhi Leonard, Hill Stave, Stave. Uh, Marcus Mar- 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 Aldridge.
1: He'll stay. Aldridge, I think, is a little iffy. That, that could get, you know, somewhat interesting. But I, I fully expect him to stay. Um, I fully expect, and I think the whole world fully expects uh, Rondell to end up with the Lakers. Uh, he's not he's, a, he's
0: not an upper echelon free agent anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, so um, I'm trying to think who, off the top of my head, would else be in the match. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm I'm stumped as well. Gordon Dragic shall probably stay with Miami. Um, but after that, I think you're starting to yeah, reach into yeah, know, other into a level two, guys. Yeah. But uh, you, you mentioned Jimmy Butler staying with Chicago. I would never um, underestimate Jerry Reinsdorf. Here's a guy who blew up the Chicago White Sox when they were three games out of first place, traded everybody at the trade deadline, blew up a Bulls dynasty. So mm-hmm. logic says for Jimmy Butler to stay in Chicago. But <laughs> you can never really know what that guy is going to do, in my opinion, with his history.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But if you look at it, you know, what a nice encore they You know, if Rose can stay healthy, I mean, knock on wood, you have you have Rose, you have Butler, you have McDermott. I, I'm telling you, Larry, McDermott is going to be a very good player. He just had uh, a, a tough situation this year where he was playing behind uh, Mike Dunleavy and also Butler, who had swing over to the small forward spot. Um, and then they got uh, Miritich, who I think is going to be a really good yeah, player Yeah, he had a good too. season. He did, and uh, you know, I was talking to Frank Kaminsky at the uh, pre-draft camp in Chicago, and I asked him. I said, "What what players do you kind of watch in the NBA?" And he brought up Miritich, which I thought was really interesting. Of all the uh, big guys in the NBA, that he uh, he was very impressed with Miritich as well. But uh, I mean, you got those four guys going for you, uh, so I mean, they have the core of, of being a good team for a long time. But, uh, you know, and then, you know, Gasol. I mean, Gasol's going to be around a couple more years, and he certainly played at a high level this year. So, uh, And then Chicago, being Chicago, you know, can always go out and get a free agent. So uh, I-, I think they're pretty well set, and I think they realize that. Uh, the only guy I would really expect them to move if they can is, is Noel. but he's got some really bad knees, and I, I think teams are uh, very wary of taking him on.
0: Yeah, I think they are in an interesting spot, Chicago, because it seems like that group has been given enough chances and they've had good seasons. But at the same time, they've never really been on the cusp of really doing anything substantial. I think they had one year when Rose had the MVP season. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got to the conference finals, but it wasn't that much. It wasn't a very competitive series. They've never really been like, oh, you know, if we, a few plays away from a championship. I mean, they've always been second round and out at best. So, right, they exactly. have good players, but they have to do. I think that's that's one team. I think that has to do something bold uh, it, to mix things up. In my opinion,
1: yeah, I, I think you're you're absolutely right. I think they have to go out and get a free agent. You know, a, a high quality free agent. Um, You know, you just don't know with Derrick Rose. I mean, he played well in the playoffs for the most part. But if you talk to the players, you know, who who see him up close, they know he's not the same Derrick Rose. I mean, he doesn't have that elevation anymore. I mean, there was a time when he would explode to the basket and then rise above people. And uh, that certainly isn't the case anymore.
0: Oh, if knew, that's, that was the argument I was using when everyone was sort of talking about oh, watch out for Chicago this year. They're getting Rose back. I was sort of like, Jesus, I mean, here's a guy who has missed seasons. I mean, this is the whole mm-hmm. Anthony Hardaway thing. When he started missing yeah. multiple seasons, it's one thing if, I mean, you break a leg, you're out for the year. You come back the next year, and you give a guy a benefit of the bat. When they start getting multiple injuries, and they start missing full seasons, and you're only playing like, I don't know what he's played – outside of this past season what was it, like 30 games in like the past three years I don't even think it was that uh, you just you start to lose it in my opinion but I want to shift gears because you mentioned Greg Monroe about going into the Boston New York you also had a report once again at for our audience journaltimes.com you say did the same thing Monroe either New York or Boston I've mentioned Greg Monroe a lot on the show because Danny Ainge, you talked about uh, agents having good relationships mm-hmm. with with certain management, Danny Ainge and David Falk, they have a good relationship. So I would like to think that could add up there.
1: I mean, oh, you're absolutely right, Larry. I mean, that's, that's the reason I'm hearing, you know, the, their rapport.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I no, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I, I mean, I like Breg Monroe, but it's the time I've only, I want I only watch him three to five times a season. And I want to say, if that, could you give me sort of, sort of a brief scouting report on him? It seems to be an old school player, good forward with a back to basket game. Defense as if he, solid rebounder. Is he someone who could work in the 2010s, 2020s version of the NBA?
1: Yeah, I do. I, I, I like Greg Monroe. I, I think he's a very good player. Um, I, I think playing with smart would be good. Um, you know, certainly having a good point guard would help him. And the other thing is, you know, they had Drummond, you know, on Detroit uh, this past couple seasons. And Drummond and Monroe were kind of like in the same – yeah, it just wasn't you know? a fit. And we were talking
0: yeah, about mean, 2010s the yeah. A. It's just that work in nineteen, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. You could, but, uh, you know, yeah. if, if I think there's only one of those guys on the floor and you have somebody that can uh, be you know, just as mobile and agile and versatile uh, playing next to him, I, I think he'd be terrific. Now, is he a franchise player? Absolutely not. But uh, for a team like Boston or, or New York, certainly that would be an upgrade.
0: Yeah, and that's what I was sort of thinking in terms of people might say, well, geez, you don't want to offer Greg Monroe a max contract because he's not a franchise player. But I look at it as he would be an asset and maybe two, three years from now when I think he's 24 right now, he'd be, Mm -hmm. say, 27. Hypothetically, he's a guy who you could trade for along with other draft picks for a franchise player because that was the issue Boston had last year with Kevin Love. They were just offering all draft choices to Minnesota and they were like, "Uh, thanks, but no thanks. Mm-hmm. bring big Monroe here he has you know a decent season or two hey maybe he does develop a franchise player but maybe he's someone who you could package for a franchise player two to three years down the line if he has good seasons
1: yeah yeah I mean he's he's a young player and he's, he's a talented player and uh, he's the big most importantly and if you can find a very talented big you're definitely going to go after him so uh, again you know the nice thing about that situation is Boston doesn't have to give up anything except money, you know, and uh, they can keep the core players intact. So um, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, where he ends up.
0: You see someone, though, who could be acquired in a sign and trade because I think that's sort of possible. I think you'll see some some sign and trades to allow some of these players to make more money, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I could see that too. I mean, if, if I was the Celtics, I wouldn't do it, you know. Um, I, I would just want the guy flat out you know, coming to my team. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think there's going to be a couple of those uh, kind of situations, you know, uh, coming up.
0: Yeah, and I would actually almost think that the Celtics could possibly do it because if you had Greg Monroe, then you already have Sellinger and Olenek. So it, is, it wouldn't hurt them if they did move, say, Selinger or Olinick and maybe even a pick along the way for Monroe. But last question, most fun question.
1: Had you here get- for a
0: while, Gary. All right. bold prediction of the off season. I'm giving you the floor.
1: The bold prediction. Okay. Uh, I'll, th- this is going way, 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 way out there, okay? All right. All right. Uh, here we go. It's bold. <laughs> uh, you want bold. I mean, anybody can predict the uh, average All stuff. Give right? me a
0: bold and then a realistic one. I, How's that?
1: I am going to say that David Blatt gets fired.
0: Oh, wow. That is bold.
1: (laughs) That's way, way, way out there.
0: Then they bring in Ty Lue. That would make sense. Maybe that would be a way.
1: Yeah. uh, I I just don't, uh, you know, for as good a job as he did, and and certainly I would be the last person to say, hey, get rid of him, I just don't see the rapport between him and LeBron. I don't
0: either. I agree with you.
1: And to me, it's like if LeBron doesn't want David Blatt, he's out of there. I mean, let's face it, it's LeBron's show. Yeah. And if he decides that he can't coexist with uh, David Blatt going forward, it wouldn't shock me one bit.
0: Yeah, he got Mike Brown fired uh, the first go around, and that was when he was a free agent. For goodness sake, I mean that that tells you something right there. Uh, what about Kevin Love, though? That's that's my real last question. Is he? I I I've, I know there's been a lot of rumors about him going there. I just think it'd be tough to walk from a team that was two wins away from the championship. I, I, I mean, maybe he comes back on a shorter deal and says, man, we will give this one more try and make it work. But I, I just don't see him leaving, leaving Cleveland. I see that the most realistic scenario. Am I right there?
1: Yeah, you know what? I, I, I tend to agree with you that he's going to stay. But at the same time, I, I saw Kevin Love uh, late in the regular season, and he didn't seem to be like a happy guy. And maybe that's that's changed you know, since I last uh, talked to him. But um, to me, Kevin, Kevin Love has always been this happy guy, just real outgoing, personable. And he became more withdrawn. And I understand that he's playing with LeBron. He's got to take a back seat. And I just wonder if, if he wants to stay there for the fact of winning a title or move on. Where he can be that you know dominant player that he was in Minnesota, you know the go-to guy, and uh, it's going to be very interesting to see. And and conversely, I want to see if how how badly Cleveland wants him back because Tristan Thompson, you know, showed in the playoffs that he's pretty darn good. Uh, He's not Kevin Love, but uh, he's he's not going to cost as much as Kevin Love either. So. Uh, I, I think that's really going to be a fun story to uh, follow this yeah. summer.
0: Yeah, if there was going to be a sign and trade, you think that could be a possibility because they they wouldn't let him absolutely. walk for nothing, in my opinion. I mean, they yeah,
1: absolutely. And, and you know what? I, I think they should. They should try to find a shooting guard. You know, somebody that can uh, you know stretch the uh, floor for LeBron. I mean, J.R. Smith, let Yeah,
0: play. he he was not going to cut it. I don't think.
1: <laughs> no, I mean the only reason J.R. Smith is on that team is because of LeBron. I mean that that's that's the sole reason and. And after what he did in the playoffs, you got to wonder if LeBron <laughs> wants him on his team. So, uh, But if, if, if I'm them, I, I would definitely dangle uh, Kevin Love and try to get a, uh, a top-notch uh, shooting guard.
0: Gary Wolfel, JournalTimes.com. You can follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Wolfel. That was awesome. Thanks so much for joining us on Celtics Beat.
1: Well, I appreciate it. That was a lot of fun.
0: Thank you, Gary. It was a lot of fun. I look forward to speaking about it in just a brief moment. Are you looking to lose weight, burn fat, pack on muscle, or just live a healthier life by sleeping better and worrying less? Well, aren't we all? Unfortunately, we've spent years quibbling over phony studies, fad diets, and dangerous prescription drugs that have prevented us from living our lives to the fullest and have done more harm than good. But thankfully, science has prevailed, and we now know that there is no other way in achieving optimal health than by consuming what nature has to offer us in its purest form Hi, I'm Larry H. Russell, host of Celtics Beat and critically acclaimed author of Fall of the Boston Celtics, and let me tell you about Dr. Ron's Ultra Pure Nutritionals. Dr. Ron's supplements are 100% additive free, and best of all, they work. Dr. Ron's supplements are my personal go-to for anything from post-workout recovery to achieve optimal gains, all the way to stress management. So if you're not getting the results you want from maddening forms of dieting and dealing with adverse side effects from other harmful drugs, remember one thing, as Hippocrates said, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food, and let Dr. Ron's ultra-pure nutritionals be the remedy for you. Available only at www.drrons.com. Okay, before we get my thoughts on what Gary just provided us, obviously one of my favorite sponsors on this show, Dr. Ron's Ultra Pure Nutritionals, first off, just started supplementing on magnesium again, been on and off a few years, whenever I don't sleep as well, I usually hop back on and I started using Dr. Ron's MagMax, presto, I'm getting my eight uninterrupted hours of sleep once again, forget the prescription drugs, the natural way is the only way, I mentioned on last week's show too, but Dr. Ron does have a wide variety of supplements that can aid in all aspects of life, including a new cartilage supplement as research at Columbia Medical Center demonstrated that cartilage supplements aid dramatically in recovery, healing wounds, and normalizing the immune system. Going in for surgery, well, there's a few things worse in the healing process. However, supplement with cartilage pre- and post-surgery, and you'll likely experience some dramatic and beneficial differences. And yes, obviously only available at drrons.com. Feel free to give him a call, mention Celtics, and get a discount on your purchase. So thank you, Dr. Rons. Thank you, Gary, for your time. And also thank you, Eddie20, he of Celtics blog, one of our great listeners over there. Sending me a message. Obviously, you can communicate with me in many ways. I am more than willing to speak with our listeners. I have a tremendous amount of respect for him, a tremendous amount of respect for Gary. And thank you for suggesting, Gary, and thank you, listeners. Gary certainly provided us with some real insight as we expected. Most importantly, some real concrete material. For us to work with here, I have to say. And it's good we have Gary here to tell us. This has certainly been one of the quietest lead-ups to an off-season I have remembered, as I mentioned in the interview. There's been so many instances of the media and fans, unfortunately as well, just reaching for news. Just reaching for anything. It's been painful in a way, going all the way to all sorts of outlets where I read about Boston Celtics basketball. So much of it is just made up. Oh, Player X might leave Team Y. The Celtics might be interested Breaking news, report services that the Celtics may or not be interested in Player X. That really wore on me, so thank God we had the finals that we just had, because I'm not sure I had it in me to discuss three weeks of bull crap leading up to the draft. But here we are, the draft is now days away. It is here on Thursday, and already we know, as confirmed by Gary, that Boston is the most active team. Surprise, surprise there, this is certainly expected in... In a way, it isn't as if you need someone in the know to really tell you that. I'd like to think any common basketball fan, anyone who follows the Boston Celtics in the vaguest of senses could identify some pressing needs on this team and could then connect the dots in terms of the necessary avenues that must be taken to obtaining what they need. And whether it's a defensive-minded big man or an athletic wing, it has to be talent that separates itself in a way from what's already on this team. No redundancy. And of course, that's why it's obvious for anyone both in and out of the know to draw the conclusions of what the Celtics want and what management needs to do. And of course, Thursday night, it is a big night. It is going to be interesting to see what the Celtics do as a fan. I'm definitely rooting for them to trade up, be it to seven, as has been reported, or nine, and get someone who could have an impact hopefully as soon as next year. And then free agency, if you've been listening to the show for the past three to four months, and even if you haven't, feel free to listen to old shows on iTunes and Stitcher. Simply punch in Celtics Beat into the search engine. Subscribe to us. And I've been banging this Greg Monroe drum for a long time. I think he has the same warts Jared Sullinger has, only he's a more enhanced version of even his best skills. And most importantly, the difference, he'd stay healthy. He's played 80-plus games almost Every single year of his career, except for the strike season in 2012, where I believe he played almost every single one of those games, you swap him with Sullinger, maybe at a defensive center in the draft, and I think the 2016 edition of the Celtics is on to something, all while maintaining flexibility for an even greater strike, be it next year or the coming years after that. They'd be a competitive team, a team good enough to warrant even the most casual basketball fans' interest in the Celtics, and they wouldn't be selling their souls to get a team that would be capable of being good. Not good enough for a championship, but good. 45-50 wins, and more importantly, as I stated, maintaining that flexibility for future seasons, and you can just build from there. Because of Danny Ainge's relationship with David Falk and the respect David Falk has for the Celtics and what they represent, I've always felt it was a possibility, and sure enough... It is very good to not only have Gary confirm what I've been insinuating for a long time on the show and basically tell the thousands of people who download this show every week that there's a very, very strong chance that Greg Monroe will be here or New York, obviously, depending on circumstances and what happens over the next week. But I, I love it. I've mentioned so many reasons as to why and even discussed so with Gary, but some dominoes need to fall, and right now it is sort of one thing at a time, and I hate using that cliche, but I think so much of what the Celtics do and who they pursue and who they move on the current roster is going to be based on circumstances, and right now a few things have to come and go, and right now that's the draft. Again, this Thursday, can you believe it's already here? In the meantime, feel free to read up on Kevin O'Connor's draft guide. He was kind of enough to email me that draft guide a few days ago i just got it i'm browsing through we could read it endlessly it's really that good i talk a lot and i reference a lot decline and fall of the roman empire on this show because i think it's the definitive book of the most important civilization in the history of humanity uh let me just say kevin's draft guide is about as thorough as Gibbon's six volumes of decline and fall of the roman empire It is one of the most definitive things I've ever read, let alone a draft guide. And it's been my go-to as I, I'm not going to lie, I am all but illiterate when it comes to the draft and draft prospects. And when Jeff Goodman endorses O'Connor's draft guide the way he did, Jeff Goodman's someone who I think everyone has tremendous respect for when it comes to the NBA draft, maybe the most important person in the media in that aspect. The way Goodman endorsed it is pretty much the equivalent of getting an endorsement from Franklin Roosevelt if you're running for president. And if it was worth that, so definitely give that a check out. As if I discuss Kevin's work on air, I need a full week to host the show, and we don't have that. So until then, give it a look. As whomever you're intrigued by as a fan, believe me, that player is there. But with the draft... That's one day that needs to come and go. And once it does, it's going to be off to the races for at least a month in terms of activity from the Celtics and activity around the NBA. So the countdown is on just as the countdown is on for the remainder of this show. Time to go around the NBA in five, brought to you by AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. A consumer should know where their food comes from and the standards that should be adhered to. And American Farmers Network meats are produced by the network of small family farmers who are committed to the most natural and compassionate approach to ranching. Their production standards go above and beyond even USDA regulations and all of their certified organic beef is 100% grass fed from poultry to pork. And of course, beef AFN's family ranches are committed to providing you and your family with the healthiest, most nutritious meat so you can live the healthy lifestyle in which you have a right to. So what are you waiting for? Log on to AmericanFarmersNetwork.com and eat and live healthy today. Cleveland Cavaliers installed as favorites to win the 2016 NBA championship. I guess you have to do that. Any team that has LeBron James, I guess they're pretty much a shoe-in for the NBA finals. No, I'm certainly down on that. We just discussed with Gary about Kevin Love possibly moving on. I don't think they're going to let Kevin Love walk for nothing. I think they'll try to make a run to bring him back. And if not, they could try to work out a sign-and-trade with him. Maybe you get a piece. Obviously, you take that piece. Maybe something along with draft picks, Brendan Hayward's unguaranteed expiring contract, and they can get someone to go along with LeBron. We all know everybody's banging down the door to play with him. He's the best player of the past 25 years, or at least post-Jordan for that matter, and one of the best players of all time. They're going to have no problem filling out the roster. If they do have a problem, it's more of an indictment on that front office. But when you have a team that you can pretty much peg in the NBA Finals, I think it's just to make sense gambling-wise to instill them as the favorites. So you'll see no arguments from me there. Mark Stein ran a very interesting column over the week. I have a lot of respect for Mark Stein, so whatever he says has a lot of merit. And I found it very interesting what he said about LeBron James. Very interesting segment that ran on Comcast Sports Net Night. Rarely do you say this when it comes to basketball, but I actually agree with Michael Felger when him point he made on one of the Sports Tonight broadcasts over the week. I think it was last Thursday, if I recall. I'd like to see LeBron James have a real coach. And you heard Gary make the prediction on this show that, well, bold prediction that there's a very good chance David Blatt could be fired. And I think LeBron... I, they, he, they, I think they need a someone who isn't a puppet in there. I really do. And if you see all the greats, they've all played for great coaches. Russell played with Auerbach. Wilt, the only championships he won is when he had a guy like Bill Sharman in there. And Magic Johnson, Pat Riley, on and on and on and on and on. I, I really like to see him just get someone and even if LeBron doesn't approve of it I think it's worth it give it a run Just David Blatt I don't think he's ready for it yet he's a young enough smart enough guy but to just force him there I think obviously a Tyron Lue could be a possibility but I'd be a lot interested if a bigger name could get in there and coach LeBron James speaking of coaching Mike Budenholzer is the general manager or at least president of basketball operations I believe out there in Atlanta Danny Ferry is out of there Uh, That's pretty much was the case last year anyways. Budenholzer was the runner-up, I believe, for NBA Executive of the Year. Danny Ferry was nothing more than a figurehead, and now it is official. So, in a way, that really isn't news. It's just about making it official. Certainly worth mentioning here on Around the NBA Again 5. Budenholzer, smart enough guy, good enough coach. Seemed to have a lot of impact in terms of the decision process that was going on last year. And allowed Atlanta to build the team that they did that's why he finished so high in the NBA executive of the year seems to only make sense something I don't believe makes sense is Jeff Green he's really rolling the dice I guess he thinks that he could get a bigger contract in 2016 when the salary cap is raised So I don't know Jeff I'm not a fan of your game whatsoever but if you're getting that kind of advice I believe David Falk is your agent probably only makes sense to do I guess not, but you know, you're one bad injury away. I think if you hit the market this year, you can get your last big contract in this league. God bless you. You think you can do it? Go ahead. But like I said, you're one injury away from working on minimum contracts. And if you all recall, he had his heart issue a few years ago. Back then, he was only 24 years old. Now he's approaching 30. Roll the dice. Best of luck. I'm not a fan of your game. But speaking of free agency, or Jordan Hill had a $9 million team option. Uh, we have to do something about rookie salaries if a guy like Jordan Hill has something like that. Obviously, the Lakers declined it. They want having that cap space, but that just sort of blew out at me. That is, the, whoa, Jordan Hill, $9 million. Of course, you declined that. But I think that's something that really brought to my attention and should bring to everybody else's attention uh, the rookie salary scale if Jordan Hill is getting that kind of money. Um I don't know what to do. Obviously, he's not going to make $9 million on the open market, so best of luck to him. That's going to do it for around the NBA in five. Obviously presented by AmericanFarmersNetwork.com, please support small family farms, not those mega corporations. We all know they don't really care about you. Small family farms, these people, they care about their animals, and likewise, they take care of their animals. You're going to eat far healthier. Farmers markets, they're open. I know I couldn't wait. It's like Christmas last Thursday here in Brookline. I Hit mine pretty hard, but obviously get my meats, AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. And that is going to do it for this week's edition of Celtics Beat. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Will Rock, Chuck Deets, Hyde209, Ostrovex, and Steph LeBratto. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our total handle is Celtics underscore Beat, and you can like Celtics Beat on Honest Radio, on Facebook to keep up with the show. We would love to thank our guests, Gary Wolf, as well as our sponsors, Linda Audible casper dr rons and of course american farmers network for making this all possible for our staff writer eddie santiago program director nick gelso and myself the executive producer and host of Celtic beat i am larry h russell see you next sunday for another edition of celtics beat heard exclusively on clns radio